Welcome to the Earthy Bee Podcast. This is your host, Rebecca Kimber, and today I am talking to my friend, Pablo Ferrer, who is a clinical psychologist who teaches mindfulness. Welcome back, Pablo. Thanks for chatting with me. Hi, Rebecca. Nice to be back. Hi. All right. Well, we're just going to jump into it. And today's question, I'm going to start with one question, and I think it's going to lead into some other good stuff. And that question is, what is the difference between consciousness and mindfulness or how do you define consciousness and mindfulness yeah um well so it's a big question uh i'm gonna tackle mindfulness first and then get into the 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 thicket with this word consciousness um okay so you know mindfulness as a as a practice um yeah, I think ha- has a lot of different definitions, and um, I'm going to kind of give my definition or a definition, um, and it's really, I think of it as like more having to do with like presence, so it's it's our sense of presence in the moment, um, and how we relate to, to our experience uh, and our perceptions, Okay, and then allowing that to... Uh, and, and relating to it, in it with, with a quality of kindness and uh, of non-judgment. Uh, and from that place then emerges uh, a deeper wisdom, a place where we can act more accordingly to like uh, to a place closer to our, to our values and, and, and more intentionally. Um, so a lot of the day, a lot of the times we go through things kind of like mind, mindlessly, if you will. Yep. And so rather than being mindless, we want to be mindful, yep. right? We want to be more engaged with our, with our experience. And so it's, it's, a, it's a practice that we engage in and we can really engage with it in any way. So there's ways to bathe mindfully. You can eat mindfully. You can talk mindfully. Um, and there's ways we can practice and develop this, this skill with um through meditation so i when i teach mindfulness i teach it in multiple contexts but uh i specifically teach how to meditate in order to develop a sense of mindfulness uh in in one's own experience and then being able to apply it broadly to lots of different contexts so it could be parenting or whatnot Okay, so then that brings me to my first question, which is, can you practice mindfulness without meditation? And I know we've talked about this before, but I feel like that's yeah. always my, uh, yeah. I would say, I would say yes. I think some people would disagree with me, but I think I would say yes. And so for me, I think of meditation as the the skill building and the strengthening and, and taking the time to really be with oneself. There's lots of ways to do that. Some people write, some people take a walk, um, some people, you know, pray or, or there's lots of ways in which we can be more in tune with our own experience. Um, I don't privilege any one way, um, but I do think that there is a great deal of value of having a dedicated practice of some kind where you are really allowing your experience to be wholly your own. So 
what I mean by that is, you know, not just saying, well, yeah, I'm mindful all the time and you just need to listen to what I have to say. Yep. <laughs> right. Because yeah. you're not really necessarily honoring what, what's going on for you. So can it be a walk? Can it be where you're something where it's your own space? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I teach walking meditation. So there's a way in which you can do meditation while walking. And it's really about the presence of the quality and the presence and the quality of the experience that you're having while walking. And so you can train your mind to do that. But that's different than like, you know, power walking while listening to a podcast. Yeah. Right. That's not really meditation. So walking silently where you would be present with your thoughts. Would that sound about right? Well, thoughts in your body and your and just wholly your experience. So it's also it can be your perceptions. It can be you know whatever feeling you have. It can be your the scent, the way that your body is moving through space. It can be um, you know each placement of your foot on the ground. Um, it can be all the memories that come up as you go through a place. And it's really all of these things, um, including your thoughts. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Cool. I like it. So you asked, mm-hmm. you asked about consciousness before. Yep. Uh, and I think there's a couple of ways to define consciousness. So living consciously, right? We, I think it can be a metaphor for mindfulness in that way. You know, uh, I think it can be synonymous potentially. Um, consciousness, when we talk about it in, in psychology terms, we typically refer to that as this like stream of experience of being like self-aware and, and being in this like um, uh, like to be conscious is really or consciousness is really this like thing that makes us unique as as humans um, and that's like a really difficult thing to define and philosophers argue about it and psychologists argue about it and like we don't have a good definition I think okay yep of what of what consciousness really is when we talk about like that sense of you know, coherent awareness, right? Like I know who I am, like, but what makes that happen? I I don't know. Like, I think I know like for myself, but I don't think I can tell you scientifically, this is what's happening, you know, in my experience, because what's happening for you could be, I have no idea what's happening for you. I have no way of accessing that. Exactly. And that's what I think is what's when I've studied the word consciousness and, and what it means in different contexts, you know, is that consciousness there's not a real good clear definition because i feel like how my experiences of being conscious is going to be different of somebody else's so yeah okay so good so i guess it's not just that it's uh not it's it's, it's just not clear basically no it's super confusing i mean we don't we don't have a consistent definition in our own fields right like how we define consciousness is different in a lot of ways uh depending on like your theoretical orientation, right? So uh, in like the psychoanalytic tradition, like Freudian, you know, kind of consciousness is really very different than um, how somebody who, you know, practicing from a more like neuroscientific perspective would think of consciousness. Um, And there's like a lot of like similarity and these things all like inform each other. There's an evolution of these things and, you know, people quibble about like details, but um we're sort of all talking about the same thing, but like we're talking about it all differently. Okay. And so it's really interesting, you know. Like I don't. It's a little similar to like the, my, the meditation thing. I, don't, I try not to privilege, you know, any one definition, but 
you know, like I think that I think this is the cool thing about meditation is is it doesn't try to tell you what your experience should be or is. It really asks you, like, what is your experience? Like, like what's that like for you? Yeah. And that's pretty cool because no amount of science or uh, philosophy can define that experience for you. Only your own experience can define your experience. Yes. And I love that because that's, yes, it does. And that was sort of what we talked about last time too, with the non-judgment of the thoughts. There's not a certain way that you're supposed to be thinking. There's not a certain way that you're supposed to be feeling. Right. And I feel like for me, that's made a huge bit of difference because in just the way that I deal with myself, because I'm so always, I should be doing this. I should be thinking that I shouldn't feel like that. And if you just take out the should of what the experience should be and you just have the experience, then it's, it's, it it just, it just feels better. There isn't a certain way to be. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so you can, you can have a sense of like what just is, right. It's almost like Mm -hmm. isness. It's what is this quality of, of my experience. And when you can be really intimate with that, really interesting things happen. So I'm I'm curious, Becca, for you, like your experience of, of Becca Ness, right? Uh, what what is that like for you? You know, like when do you feel most like yourself? You know, it's funny. I feel like I'm becoming more and more like myself all the time because I'm not trying so hard to be who I think I'm supposed to be anymore. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So I think that now I'm starting to really, maybe it's because I'm turning 40 and I've really had to go through all this stuff where I'm like, (laughs) I really want to be happy the most that I can be out of life. And I know that life is not always about being happy and, and I have all kinds of, you know, we all have our responsibilities and, you know, but in general, I think that that's my where I strive to be for the most part is to be a happy person and to be content within myself and with my life. And I would say that the more that I'm not judging my thoughts or trying to be something different then the more that I am happy. And I think that's that's part of what mindfulness has done. And part of the conversations with you has done. I think that you led me in the direction that I needed to go with the non-judgment part. Because I think I was already there sort of with the mindfulness. But then the non-judgment of the thoughts was very, very helpful. Yeah, cool. I'm glad that was helpful for you. Yeah, it is. It's very helpful, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's been helpful for me, too. Good. That's awesome. <laughs> Yay. 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 Well, okay. So then I have another question. So then this is the other part that we were, that I want to talk to you about, which is you've said something that I think is very profound. And I feel like that's why we have these conversations because you say profound stuff. And then I want to talk about it, um, which is that happiness emerges. Yeah. So I want to be, I want to be, we need to do a little more defining here because uh, happiness is another one of these troublesome terms. Yes, I know. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so can you can you, can you answer? Can you answer? Because you're really wise too. Uh, I don't I don't have to be the only the holder of knowledge oh here. Gosh. What? Why? Why? Why do you? Why do you think it's a problem? What do I think? What is a problem? This word happiness. Well, I think that the word happiness because it doesn't mean that I'm like walking around on some kind of like weird high all the time 
(laughs) And I know for experience that that is not really where I'm happy. (laughs) You know, like I've actually been in that space and it's weird. It's not a happy, you know, you can be that, (laughs) you can have that external thing. Euphoric. Exactly. I mean, I've been there and that's not long-term happiness and I think that there's times where my children probably see me frowning and like you know either or even maybe yelling at them and and I will still tell you in that moment I'm still happy because I'm actually feeling like yes I know that my maybe that's not showing up but I would say that I'm in a whole more of a perspective place and there's more wholeness in where I feel happiness. So it's more my whole life in general where I can go at the end of the day. I'm like, this is good. Like, I'm glad that I'm here. I'm glad that I'm in my bed. I'm glad that I'm in my house. I'm glad that I'm with the people that I'm with. I'm in a very comfortable space. And I think that it's different than spaces that I've been in before where I haven't where I haven't been, you know, either with the right people or the right circumstances. And I think circumstances matter, but I think it's been a a process between circumstances being really great for me now. And also me being very much more conscious of trying to find the good in things and having a different perspective, not focusing on the bad things, focusing on what's right rather than what's wrong. Beautiful. Yes. Wow. You did. You nailed it. All right. We can, hey, we can, hey. we, we can end this now. <laughs> can we end no, you totally hit it. Actually, <laughs> I knew, I knew you had the answer because you made this distinction between happiness and contentment earlier. Okay. Right? You said I'm happy and content. And I yes. think that's, that's kind of what gave it away for me that, that you were aware of this kind of temporal difference between like, you know, what we, what we refer to as state happiness or like kind of this emotion of happiness, like this temporary feeling of like, Oh, I got a cookie and this cookie is making me happy right now. Right. Yes. And, and we confuse that state happiness with mood happiness. So this, this longer lasting sense of, of who we are over time, like what you, you refer to as like, you know, your long-term happiness. Right. Um, yes, exactly. Same that word, is the difference. Yeah, same word, different things. Totally, completely, hundred percent different neural networks. Like wholly, completely different experience. Exactly. But we, but we, but we stupidly use the same word. Um, yes, there's not a good word for it. Maybe that. Yeah, well, the chocolate I, cake doesn't make me happy. But. Yeah, I think there's other. I think there's other cultures that do a better job of this, but. You know, it's really weird that we use the same word for these totally different experiences. And it creates and it, and it creates this setup that somehow we're supposed to have the state happiness, this like, you know, oh, like I have this thing or I have this momentary experience of happiness and I have to chain a whole bunch of these together in order to be happy long term. Okay, explain and that. So, okay. So that, that's, that's an error, right? Because if we use the same word, Right. Like, cause there's, you know, emotions come and go. They don't last. Like that's, that's the nature of the emotion. Like, yes, that, 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 you know, these experiences come and they go and they have to go because if they don't, it's exhausting. Yes. Right. If you were like truly like excited puppy dog, happy all the time, you would probably be really upset. Right. Like, cause that you can't sustain that. 
right? Exactly. We talked about like the euphoria, right? I mean, sometimes you can get that like with drugs. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Or, or, or like, you know, this... or yeah, exactly. Right, like, right, right. Searching for this high. Yeah. 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 And it can last a little while, but you know, even that like is still limited and you come crashing down. Exactly. Um, yeah. At the end of it, you just, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but, it, but it's exhausting. It's really, we're not, we're not meant to hold those emotions for that long, good or bad. Yep. So um, I think it's an error that we make oftentimes when we say, you know, like, I just want to be happy. And it's like, well, do you mean long-term or do you mean like right now in this moment? Yes. And it can create this like expectation that we're supposed to lead these hedonistic lifestyles. And that that's really what, you know, will create this long-term happiness is if I just focus on pleasure. Yep. Right. And, and that's not what we've discovered creates long-term happiness. You know, long-term happiness is a very different thing. It's, it's this cohesive story of who we are and of, it's one of self-acceptance and of, and of compassion um, and, and of belonging and of gratitude um, of all these things. And that's totally different. You know, because it can it can include pain and sadness, and it can include disappointment. Um, you know, it can include longing uh, and and fear, because all these things come and they go, and so they allow this like long term happiness to be present. Yes. Okay, that's the thing. And when you say okay, so when you say that, I feel like that is the thing with the ups and the downs of the emotions, right? Because if you, you know, I have a friend where she's experienced grief and, and really, and I've sat with her in a lot of it and I've noticed that it goes in these waves, you know, it goes very strong waves, much, you know, much stronger than maybe what I would experience on a day to day. But if you're really in grief, then it's very strong and then it comes down. And then it goes very strong again. And, you know, that it's not this constant state it seems like it's like, you know, it's this up and this down. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and that's the case for all of our experiences. You know, everything is always changing. Um, there's a, a super well-known uh, American Zen Buddhist, uh, Suzuki Roshi. He founded the American Zen Center uh, of San Francisco. Um, and there's this kind of now apocryphal stories we're super well known for you know his pithiness you know like really he wrote this book called um beginner's mind and in it it's this very short short book with very short chapters that's just chock full of this wisdom uh and and he gives these really amazing lectures and was super well well known for having these like really profound short statements um and so this <laughs> for a long time kind of like challenged him a little bit because you know his, his stories were often like um, not all over the place but there there was a lot of uh, a, a different meanings different things and a lot of depth to all this stuff and so a student kind of challenged him in sneaky ways they often do zen students and he said to him you know roshi because this is the, the epithet for a teacher you know roshi um like i'm i'm listening to all the things that you're saying but i keep forgetting you know, I, I end up still with the suffering in my in my life. And, you know, what you say makes sense to me. And then I forget. Yeah. Is there something that you can tell me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is there something you can tell me? Like, 
that will help me remember like all the teachings like in a simple phrase which is like you know how do you condense you know the entirety of human experience to a single phrase yeah so you know so so the the zen master right he's he gets this like this like funny little smile on his face and he says everything changes Mm, yeah now now is it and and it really is quite beautiful because it does describe this you know ephemeral nature um of our experience that like everything is is always changing and it's because we expect it to stay the same yeah that we suffer right we we think that we're not going to die yeah and then we realize oh shit we're going to die yeah <laughs> well sorry i don't mean that's that. all right uh you know and and so that that causes us this great grief or 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 people around us die yeah and we have this belief that somehow they're not going to i mean we can know that intellectually but then to really face what that means or or our children are going to die right it's just terrible don't say that well but (laughs) you know like i'm not telling you anything you don't know yeah no it is the stuff that's super scary Right. Well, and so it is scary in some future sense, right? But right now, they're here and and they're alive and they're well. And so in this way, it can really sharpen our our immediate sense of the moment, our presence to this, like, they are safe and they're in their beds and they're they're breathing and they're here now. Yep. And so it, it can bring us into this, like, moment of, like, okay, this is my life right now. This is my life, not 20 years from now or five years from now or 100 years from now or whatever. Yeah. It's right now. And so everything changes, you know, both has this meaning of like there's great loss and pain that's part of our life, but also presence. Yes. So it's, it's, you know, it's kind of what you're talking about in in this, in this way that like, you know, uh, these emotions, they come and they go. And when we can just be present with it and really experience them fully that they can really serve us because that's what they're doing what we've discovered in the neuroscience is that emotions and feelings are all about our our experience they're they're tracking and coloring our experience it's this constant running commentary um, of what's going to happen next what's going to happen next what just happened what just happened what just happened what's going to happen next Uh like by the millisecond and so our consciousness, this thing that, you know, that is so par- hard to define is the thing that's kind of tracking and making sense of all of this. And it's the thing that, that weaves the story together and tells us you're the same being and all these things are woven together in matter in your life. And maybe you should pay attention to some of them, like this hunger and maybe you should go eat something. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we all have this dream, except that as humans, We've evolved this extra, extra layer, you know, on top of that, not just like, you know, oh, I'm hungry, but also, oh, I'm a part of something, you know, I'm a part of this bigger life. Um, I'm a part of this family. I'm a part of this world. Um, and, and to, I'm sure, you know, what's important to your listeners is, you know, we're part of this earth. Uh-huh. Right? And so we are all in this shared consciousness of this earth. Yep. And so we, you know, really need to pay attention to that, don't we? Yes, we do. For sure. And that's the thing is it. And I think that this is the the hard part with 
the the part about paying attention to the earth is it is it becomes that part becomes a lot of the it adds a lot of the shoulds and the should nots and it adds and i feel like that's part of what i'm trying to dissect is the how can we make this so that it's easier so that it's so that we're not constantly judging so we're not judging other people and we're not judging ourselves and to instead create a system that makes it so that these things we don't it doesn't require thought because when it when something requires a lot of thought then it's easy for it to just kind of to just not do it right or yeah yeah, there's a a fatigue yeah there's a fatigue and so in like i've I've read i don't know if you've read uh james clear's atomic habits have you heard of him no okay so he's i just love this guy because he writes about habits and he just really writes about like if you're gonna buy apples you know if you put them in your crisper you're not gonna find them if you put them on your counter you know if you want to eat more apples like Mm -hmm. put them on your counter because Mm -hmm you're going to eat them there right and if you put them in your refrigerator you back of your refrigerator where is it going to go like oh well then i thought about it i was going to grab it but then it was it was just too hard right like uh, it was just like that extra effort so things have to be i think i think that for things to really change they have to become easier it has to be part of the system so anyway that's yeah, a little off yeah, topic yeah. but i think that that's no i don't i i think i think you're on topic because you know what that requires is it requires knowledge right which is like how do you make all these decisions and stick to them um you know like that's a lot of research i mean i'm a i'm a researcher i love to look at this stuff up and every time i talk to him i was like oh i didn't think about that or oh i didn't know that right which is i think why you have the blog and why you do what you do because you're trying to disseminate this really important information um and and we need people to share that right we need people to to care to care about this stuff enough to be able to help us make the decisions like more easily right exactly and i think that's the thing and i think that i think that at some point i feel like the the goal for the blog would be that in 10 years or 20 years or wherever we, you know, whoever, wherever we end up, that it won't even be necessary anymore because all of these things will already be worked into the system. So that all, you know, you won't even have to make a conscious effort about, oh, I'm going to buy, do I buy this thing or do I buy that, that thing, right? Because all things will be made in a much more circular and much easier way. So you don't even yeah. have to waste your conscious, you know, thought on. That'd be awesome. That's really where I think that we're going. I actually feel really super optimistic about this. I think that's where we're yeah. going to be. Whether yeah, we'll yeah. be there in 10 years or 20 years, who knows? But I think yeah. that that's where we're going. And I think that that's part of what I want to do with the blog is to explain that to people. And like, let's get everybody on board. You know, let's, yeah. these are all the things that we can work towards. And like, let's figure it all out. Because that, I think that it has to be something where it's not something that we're putting conscious thought into. It's just too hard right now, you know. Yeah, it, it, it can't be so so active and and d- distributed, right? Like we can't all be, you know, doing the same research, and we need to be able to trust in each other. Yeah, and this is where humans are awesome, right? Like, you know, I I love to talk about how awesome humans are because if you look at like all the species on the planet, there is no species more resilient than a human yeah like we we get together and we dominate 
all environments. Yeah. We're the only species that has been literally in every single environment on this planet, right? There's no other species that can do what we do. Yep. And we and we cannot do it alone. We actually have in order to do those things, we rely on each other. And so I think to your point about like, you know, it's too hard for all of us to do this individually. Like, I think this is what mindfulness has to offer. You know, it's like, it's, it's not, you can do these decisions on your own, but really I, I, here's the, for me, like, here's the big rub and, and where, you know, the Buddhist philosophy really comes in. Um, One of the things that emerges from everything changes Mm-hmm. Is if, if if there is this constant change, this constant evolution, you know, of everything changing, is there something that doesn't change in that? Do you have a sense of that, Becca? Like, what's the one thing that never changes? I mean, everything changes. So the thing that never changes is, I mean, change. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do we experience change? Like, what's our experience of that? We We, we talked about this earlier, right? This is consciousness. Yeah. Well, and change can also be painful. I mean, that's what I, that's the word that comes to mind, but yes, it, you experience it through consciousness. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if there's one constant, it's, it's our experience of this consciousness, right? And, and there's this consciousness that we all share. So we all have this, right? I trust that everybody has this because that's what everybody tells me, but like, (laughs) you know, I mean, I could be the only one, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure. Okay, pretty yeah. sure it's not all, all about me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're all in it. And, yep. Yeah. And so we, we, we all share this collective consciousness. And so there's this other term that comes up in Buddhist, Buddhist philosophy that's known um, as interdependence. Okay. Right? Yep. So this this connectedness that we all have yes like we rely on each other and we have to have each other um and and this is how we're going to figure it out right this is how we're going to move forward and we have to rely on i have to rely on your consciousness right i have to rely on your awareness which is the same as mine in some ways um to overcome this problem right and we need to be able to do this on a global scale yes and never before have we been able to get to a place where we can actually do that yeah like this is this is where i share in your excitement like we've we've had a lot of these tools for thousands of years but we have never had the ability to, to disseminate these tools across the globe so quickly yeah so co- in such a coordinated fashion right if we can get our collective S together, mm-hmm. man, can you imagine what we can do? Exactly. That's the thing. That's exactly what it is, is that I really think that there's there are so many opportunities where to just make life way better for so many people and as well as also making things better for the natural environment. That this isn't yeah. really, it's not about saving the planet per se. It's about making life better for everybody. And I feel like that's where we have such great opportunities, right? And that's from innovation. And the internet is such a big part of that because one idea flows from the other, right? When one business goes to the next and around and around it goes. And it touches so many people all over the world. We're so interdependent, I- interconnected. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And it's really easy to lose sight of that. 
you know, because we have all these demands on our life and we have to make all these decisions. Yeah. So I, I think that the, the key that mindfulness gives us is this ability to stop and just to look around us, right? So just take a moment to look around your environment, what, you know, what's here and think about all the people that had to go in to making this conversation happen, right? Yep. Like the millions of people, like the engineers and the scientists and the people who made it and the people in China who put these things together and, you know, the scientists in California that like figured out, you know, how these transistors work and like all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's bananas. It really is. And here you and I are talking like, you know, miles and miles apart. No problem. Yep. Oh, now I have my daughter coming in. Okay, now. <laughs> you gotta be in bed. Go, go, go. I'll be right there. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Two minutes. All right. Well, I guess that might be my cue for wrapping it up soon. <laughs> She's supposed to be in bed. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I think that interdependence, that is really, that's, that's, that is the thing that can really make the world a better place if we can all if we can all just raise our consciousness just a little bit because that's hard right raising your consciousness it's hard yeah yeah so there's a lot of ways to do that we're not going to have time today but like i think i think you know where you know if people are going to say like well but how do i make this other person become mindful yes like it it's not it's not making the other person more mindful. It's making ourselves more mindful. Yes. And, and we, we always start with ourselves and we cultivate, you know, forgiveness and understanding and, and caring and compassion and kindness. And this does not, these are not weak things. And these do not say, well, I, I accept your, you know, you're throwing that in the garbage, right? It's like, let me understand what's happening. And then let me under, let me see the whole of your life, and let me see why this is there's a limitation that's happening here, um, and then what to do about it as opposed to taking it so personally. Exactly, right? and then the judgment on that, right? Where I feel like that's exactly. the problem I have with with the way that I see most environmentalism being dealt with, and so many other things is that it's dealt with through judging other people and the right. choices that we're making, and and what happens when we do that, Becca? Well, yeah, I mean, when then we're blocking, right? Like the judgment, I think, blocks progress. I don't know. Yeah. What are you? Yeah. Well, I think you're. Well, no, I mean, because what do you do when you judge yourself? I mean, I think that I block myself. Then I create yeah. more problems. So when yeah. I'm judging my thoughts or if I'm judging another person, and I mean, I, I obviously do these things all the time, sure. right? Sure. But, but I'm consciously trying not to because I feel like it does block it blocks things from flowing and going in the direction that they're supposed to be going in. So if it's my thoughts that I'm judging, then it blocks it from moving forward. And if I'm judging a person, then I'm really not, then I'm judging, then it's just looking at a person instead of what is the whole systematic flaw as opposed to what is the flaw with this person, right? Yeah. It's not a problem with the person. It's a problem with the system. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're zooming out, you're seeing the big context, and you're not letting that that little thing get in the way of your connection with that person because they are part of us, right? And we need them 
all people, you know, as much as they might infuriate us, we need them in this. Exactly. If we don't have them, we're all host. Yeah. It's, that might be some bad news for some people who disagree, you know, with somebody else politically or whatever. But I mean, that's just the reality of, of the way this is going to work is we got to bring most people with us. Right. Yeah. You can't just be like, well, I'm just going to live in my bubble and like that's going to work out great for me. Yeah. Know? Well, with that. no, but I don't think that anyone I feel like that's the other thing that I've learned is that I can't I don't I can't live in a bubble is that the more that I am connected with other people, the more I enjoy my life. I feel like I need to have yes. that connection yeah. with with people, with my children, you know, just in general. Connection is the thing that that drives me forward. And I feel like that when I don't have it, then that can be it, then there's something wrong. You know, when yeah, I'm not, yeah. then that's like a sign for me. Like, okay, I'm not connecting. Why am I not connecting? Right. And that's, that's fundamental in our human nature. And we all have that. No matter how much we like to think of ourselves in, as independent, none of us can be. Uh, we didn't evolve that way. We all have this, this baked into our, our DNA, like so strongly. We are the ultimate social species. I mean, primates yes. are super social. If you ever seen like chimpanzees, you know, yeah, like hang out with each other, man, we are way more social than chimpanzees, way more social. And so you're totally right. This connection is, is so critical for, for our ability to, you know, to live, frankly, um, and, and to be effective and to, um, you know, get our message heard and, and to have people, you know, respond to our needs and to care for this planet in the way that we want them to care for it. And, and I believe deep down the way they want to care for it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, judgment gets in the way of all of that. And I think this is kind of what, um, you know, hopefully mindfulness can offer, you know, people just the recognition that like the things that we want really start with ourselves. And that's, you know, it's a, it's a hard thing to, to, to practice and to wrap your head around but it's you know i especially for me like you know like i part of the reason you know i wanted to be a psychologist was like to, to fix people yeah <laughs> totally so that they would like do what i want them to do yes, right let me fix you <laughs> yeah hilarious i totally chose the wrong field for that <laughs> Because what I what I've really have come to learn is like the only person that I can fix is me. Yeah. And what I actually need, what I need to do for other people is to accept them more than anything else. And it's really interesting. The more that I do that, the more that I just trust people, the more they really show up in ways that don't disappoint me. Hmm. And, and, and this is really interesting paradox. Now, like I'm not just gonna trust anybody, right? I develop yeah. a relationship. Yeah. But like the more that I find ways to find ways to trust people and to build that connection, uh, the better they get and the better I get. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. And on that note. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, that's a great note. Let's let's end there because I feel like otherwise I'll start on a whole other topic. So yeah. yeah next time. Let's do it. Let's do another one. This is great. Thank you. Always. Thank you. Awesome. Super fun. Yeah, super fun. Love these conversations. All right. Well, and let's just say until next time. 
Okay. All right. Take care, Becca. Okay, you too. Bye. Bye.